seems like the accusation is good Like it is finally right to make Maybe we could have, have just one night Of quiet and no more killing Hello, Northampton. That's right. It's time for your favorite show about tofu, Vegan Radio. Um, sorry I was late. <laughs> almost got in a fight out in the parking lot. Somebody almost beat up Derek. <laughs> it's all right, though. You're okay now. I used, We're all calm. We got the adrenaline going. I used my verbal Aikido. <laughs> um, so... How you guys doing? <laughs> I, Great. I, you know. Where'd you go, Scott? I'm a little disconcerted I'm and discombobulated. Here. Were you out there like getting his license plate or something? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did that just to make sure. I just was checking because he, he had pulled in and was hanging around, and I wanted to make sure he didn't mess with your car or anything like that. He seemed to, his adrenaline got up. He didn't know exactly how to handle it. Yeah. I accidentally cut this guy off, and he overreacted. He grabbed my shirt. That's assault. There's a little bit of adrenaline rush. I'm Smart ready to go people understand, now. you know, you don't have to kick someone's butt yeah. to be uh, like charged with assault and stuff. That's right. It's just enough to threaten them, and that's. Uh, I know. It's not nice. It's not nice. And he would have he would have ended up getting hurt, and I wouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, it's time for vegan radio, and uh, we have Will? our theme song getting ready oh, to go our here. Theme song. Are you ready, Megs? Yeah, I was going to work who this we have time. On the watch. Show. watch this. See that? <laughs> wow. All right. So today on Vegan Radio, we have Will, the Nutty Pot. Will Le- LeBlanc. Will LeBlanc. LeBlanc, yes. My yoga instructor. And I've just been actually breathing deeply through my nose for this whole thing. So oh, good. <laughs> once you practice deep nasal breathing. He's parking, been keeping us all calm with his uh, <laughs> pranayama. And uh, we also have the grease car crew, our interview with the grease car, Josiah, Josiah, how do you pronounce that, Megzi? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's either one of those two. <clears throat> anyway, he's the uh, product manager from the grease car, which is an East Hampton uh, company that converts diesel engines into vegetable oil running engines for the most environmentally and vegetarian approved method of travel in the U.S. and the world. All right. And we have some news today. Let's get into the news. Let's get into the news and give you a breather. We're going to follow our old format of each of us are going to read a news story. And uh, who wants to go first? I think I'll go first and I'll let you guys have a little relaxation time. I actually feel fine. Really? Uh, Yeah. I'm all disconcerted. Really? I'm disconcerted and discombobulated. I mean, I was a little, I was a little uh, wound up for being late, and that's why I didn't see him. But, uh, but you know, actually, him, uh, him grabbing my shirt didn't really take my equanimity at all. Oh, very good. Wow, that vipassana works. So I'm gonna have to I- try that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm gonna read the first story: PETA activist who euthanized cats and dogs stand trial. An animal rights worker who dumped the bodies of euthanized dogs and cats into a trash bin apologized in court, saying she threw out the carcasses because they stank. 
Mm. But Adria J. Hinkle denied Thursday she had ever promised animal shelters that the animals taken by the well-known group People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals would not be euthanized. Hinkle and Andrew B. Cook, both PETA workers, were arrested in June 2005 after police saw them dump bags of dead animals and found more carcasses in their van. Hinkle testified that she and Cook euthanized the animals in the back of her van. She said they were supposed to bring the carcasses to PETA's offices in Virginia, but the stench overwhelmed her. At least one veterinarian had said PETA offered assurances that animals turned over to the group would be taken to a no-kill shelter. A PETA official, however, testified earlier that she had made clear that some of the animals would have to be put down. Cook, 26, cried as he described one of the dogs the pair euthanized because it was suffering from mange and sunburn. The act, a jury cleared the activists of animal cruelty charges for euthanizing cats and dogs they took from shelters, but both were convicted of littering for dumping the carcasses in a trash bin. Both received a 10-day suspended jail sentence and a year of supervised probation. Their van will be confiscated by police, and each was ordered to pay $4,000 in fines and court costs. They will also each have to serve 50 hours of community service. It's a disgrace, said Andrea Press, a member of Responsible Dog Owners of Eastern States. PETA preaches to everybody not to hurt and kill animals, and they just proved it's okay for them to do it. They're hypocrites. Yeah. <laughs> well, this, this story came to my attention because a friend of mine who's a, you know, an omnivore, was like emailing me, what's up with uh, PETA killing animals? And, oh, God. You know, so this is, it's really bad press for our movement, obviously. Uh, I don't know why, I mean, I know why cats and dogs get euthanized. I don't know why PETA is involved in it. Uh, you know, I don't approve of it. Obviously, PETA's an animal welfare organization, not a uh, animal slavery abolition organization, so... What's going on? How can we find out more about this? Well, that's, I mean, what what more is there to find out? I don't know. <laughs> if someone from PETA wants to contact us and defend their position, I guess we could uh, air that. I think that'd be a good idea. Are you out there, PETA activists? <laughs> but uh, I think, uh, you know, I don't think they should be involved in this. I hear you. <laughs> <They're, laughs> they They already get... Uh, get our animal act, make animal activists look bad enough with all their other campaigns, and now they're killing animals too. It's kind of a mixed message. I don't know if we should necessarily be talking about this on vegan radio. Really? You want to give PETA a bad, a bad well, name? I, I think we need to talk about the issues that are pertinent to our movement. We can't just like talk about all the happy stuff. Yeah, but PETA does do a lot for animals. As they well. do. I mean, I'm not saying they're all bad. They're not. It's not black and white. It's true. It's not uh, good versus evil. It's not black and blue like your eye either. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, man. Man, that was some crazy fight you got. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am sorry for cutting the guy off. <laughs> We've had a very uh, uneventful week, so this is like, this is exciting yeah, for it's, us. Yeah, it's, it's excitement <laughs> to start off the radio show. So you want to go s- next, Scotty? Sure enough. I got a couple of uh, mad cow updates for everybody. Mad people, mad cows. In case Everyone's you were worried, you know, about it's a mad world. your beef. Uh, let's see. First story comes to us from uh, some Switzerland. Prions, or prions, rather, have been found in milk. Uh, oh, we've, we've designated Scott our new um, science and technology <laughs> reporter. Yeah, because I know how to pronounce Wait, who designated? You, you designated Scott. I, I didn't designate Scott. Well, I don't mind. <laughs> I like big words. 
so prions in milk. Let's see. According to this, uh, Swiss firm finds mad cow proteins in milk. Swiss firm Alican said Monday it detected prion proteins in cow milk, raising the possibility mad cow disease could be transmitted via milk. The findings mark the first time prions have been found in homogenized and pasteurized milk from supermarket shelves. Alican said it was not clear if the prions were the normal harmless variety or the abnormal type associated with mad cow disease and related disorders. In the case of the prion proteins detected, it is highly likely that they were of the normal variety, posing no danger to health, the company said in a statement. However, the occurrence of the normal variety could mean that milk of cows already infected with mad cow disease also contains infectious prion proteins of the disease-causing variety. In the study, which appears in the public, uh, the journal Public Library of Science, that's a good name for a journal, Prions were detected in milk from humans, cows, sheep, and goats. So uh, I guess that's a good reason for having prion-free cows now. Can, yeah. At least there won't be anything in the milk to... Prion-free humans. Yes. And uh, then, of course, there's the story, which some of you might have heard about. Uh, another case of mad cow disease has been discovered in Canada. And Canada is often blamed by uh, U.S. beef uh, cattle people. Whenever uh, we find... <laughs> I hate those U.S. beef cattle people. <laughs> those beef cattle people. <laughs> yes. So there was, there was a, some question whether it was the term. ninth or the tenth mad cow in Canada. I found two uh, conflicting reports, but oh. I, put, I put the ninth just for... Uh, okay, we'll go with ninth. To go with, you know. Let's see, it says on Wednesday, Canada confirmed its ninth case of mad cow disease since 2003 and in an Alberta bull that died on a farm last week. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency said the mature bull tested positive for mad cow or bovine fun- spongy form encephalopathy. Fungi form? Spongy form. <laughs> Fungi form. <laughs> Dr. George Luterbach, there he is again. He's everywhere. The agency's senior veterinarian for Western Canada said the animal's death caused the farm to identify it as an animal of interest as part of a national surveillance program. Uh, eating meat contaminated with BSC has been linked to more than 150 human deaths, mostly in Britain, from variant CJD, a rare and nerve disease. Uh, no human deaths as a result of mad cow have been reported in Canada. Eight previous cases of BSC have been detected in Canadian cattle since May 2003 when the discovery of Alberta cow with the disease caused the United States to slam the border shut to cattle exports entirely. The border between the world's largest trade partners reopened for Canadian beef from younger cattle within months of the original ban, but live cattle have only been allowed to move across the border since July 2005. That's about uh, 18, 19 months. (laughs) The U.S. Department of Agriculture will dispatch a USDA expert to Canada to help with the investigation, said Agriculture Secretary Mike Jones. Help shut them up up there. Yeah, exactly. They're testing too many cows up there. Yeah, the, that's probably what he's out the, there to the do. The USDA has to has to get them to adopt the um, the American the uh, USA program here. <laughs> don't look, test, don't see. T- test one in. Test one a year. Well, they're investigating, and they said they're going to remove, destroy, uh, test, dispose, do the whole deal that they usually do. Uh, uh, new enhanced feed ban has, is coming into effect on July 12th and should see BSC eliminated from the national cattle herd within 10 years, uh, <laughs> they claim. So, 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 you know, all the cases that come up in the next 10 years. We'll of get a lot of prions into the milk by then. Kreutzfeldt Jakob. Yep. Well, at least they're, I guess they're doing something about the feed and getting rid of rendered animals and stuff inside the feed. So 
It looks like a good a good first step. Yeah. And that's my tale. So you ovo lactose out there, you're not safe. Give up the milk. Give that's up like the meat. My, it's like my dear friend said you the other day. You die with holes in your brain. She likes the way those an- she loves animals, the way they feel in her belly. <gasps> ah! Who said that? No. Somebody who has a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send that mad driver after. <laughs> Somebody who has a long. Yes, way to maybe go. that makes me mad. I maybe he'll go after when he it, might, when it he makes him mad. He might have had the prion disease too. Uh, All right. What's your story, D Dog? What's my story? Well, I've been vegan about eleven years, and uh, <laughs> I'm here doing this radio show with you. Looking for somebody five two. Megan blue and eyes, I. Blue Megan eyes, I. blonde hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wanted to talk about my story. Actually, <laughs> I've got a new. What, I've got a new job. What is your story? Oh. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm the vegan Sunday brunch chef at Evolution Cafe now. Are you allowed to say that? I think so. It's my job. <laughs> I'm not advertising evolution. Nobody should come to my brunch just because it's the best. Yeah. <laughs> I might even help with the dishes. And Scott might be the new dishwasher, but we have to we have to work on that position a little. <laughs> we might we might be able to get you in, Scott, but it's you're on the fence. It's kinda <laughs> it's kinda touch and go right now. We we could definitely give you a work study position. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great, you know, because <laughs> you could study the food and work. I'm very out of practice. I, I used to be a dishwasher for a long time in Jamaica Plain, and uh, I must say I do I do miss it. And I've been reading Dishwasher Magazine for many years. <laughs> and I have to say, uh, the Journal of Dishwashing. Yes, yes. Scientific and, uh, Journal of Dishwashing. Yeah, it's more of a spiritual journey of dishwashing. Well, Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, he was a big uh, proponent oh, he, of washing yes. dishes to reach enlightenment. I was observing Scott. He was a very diligent dishwasher. And I was a very good chef. Yes. I was, it was a big hit. There's a new improved menu. If anyone's been there before and not been so happy, now you will come <laughs> and be very happy. Ken Wilbur, too, was a <coughs> dishwasher. Ken Wilbur, yep. Started out washing Ken dishes. Wilbur. The brief history of everything. Yep. Was ah. it really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I need to take my sort of a holistic approach to dishwashing. <laughs> yeah. Learn some hole-on techniques. <laughs> and, um, okay. Oh, and the other other new job I have okay. is I'm also working for Megan. <laughs> oh, sweet mamas has employed me. Oh, how did it all happen, listeners? How did I came it all ba- I came back from a 10-day Vipassana meditation while I was working in the kitchen, and uh, and I just got really addicted to working in the kitchen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I got these new jobs. and uh, so. He just wanted me to be his boss again, that's all. <laughs> yep. Seven years she was my boss, and... And now, once and I again, miss it, you know? the control comes back. I miss having someone tell me what to do. The power is here. So, well, uh, well let me read my news story real quick, and then we'll get to Will here. Uh, he's chomping at the bit. <laughs> he's got nutty pot in each nostril. He's got two nutty pots in each hand. I'm breathing deeply. Well, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, well, there's been some whaling news. Um, the Sea Shepherd has been rammed by a whaling vessel. Uh-oh. Um, on Monday, February 12th, the Japanese whaling ship... Kaiko Maru was intercepted by the Sea Shepherd ship Robert Hunter, which is our new ship, which actually goes as fast as a whaling ship. So they've been excited to catch some whalers and ram them. Um, the Robert Hunter intervened by crossing in front of the Kaiko Maru, which allowed the whales to escape. Yay, whales! The Kaiko Maru then came alongside the Robert Hunter and swerved into the starboard side of the Sea Shepherd ship to push it into some ice. The Robert Hunter's hull was penetrated by a large hole ripped open into the forward compartment area above the main deck. The shoving of the Robert Hunter against the ice caused damage below the waterline on the port side of the engine room compartment. 
Both ships then moved into the ice and then began to work their way out of the flow when suddenly the Keiko Maru backed up and rammed the stern port side of the Robert Hunter. This collision penetrated the hull and opened a one-meter gash in the bulwarks above the main deck. Can I believe the starboard is the right and the stern is the left. <laughs> Can you You're close. Or wait, the stern is the front? Port I don't is know. Left. Port. Port. port is left, starboard is right. Yep. Okay. Stern I knew front. starboard was right. Stern front. Stern. Stern. Stem. With a stern expression. Were you going to tell me I'm not around. reading well, Mug? Stem to stern. <laughs> am, I, am I not emphatic? Am I not enunciating? What's, what's even, the problem this time? You can't even enunciate my name, for cripe's sake. Um, no, I was just going to say. Megan the Vegan. You might want to just, um, for listeners who don't know a lot about vegan background, tell them even what the Sea Shepherd is. Oh, the Sea Shepherd is like the streamlined version of Greenpeace. Uh, this, uh, what's his name? Oh, jeez. I can't think of his name. Captain Paul Watson That's right. was one of the founding members of Greenpeace. And when Greenpeace got too big and started spending their money unwisely and became a bureaucracy, he started the Sea Shepherd organization, which is chasing whaling ships and ramming them when they can. <laughs> uh, Good job. It's, uh, it's not nonviolent, but it's it's effective. <laughs> So after striking the Robert Hunter twice, the Keiko Maru then issued a maritime distress signal. Both the Robert Hunter and the Farley Moet, the Farley Moet is the Sea Shepherd's other ship, responded to the dress, distress request by the Keiko Maru, but the Keiko Maru would not respond. New Zealand Search and Rescue informed both Sea Shepherd ships that the Keiko Maru reported they were in grave and imminent danger. Paul Watson assured New Zealand Search that they were not threatening the whaler and that it was a whaling ship that inflicted the damage. The Institute for... Wow, it's getting windy wow. out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> we had a big storm in the northeast this weekend. Anyway, Captain Paul Watson assured New Zealand search that they were not threatening the water, the whaler, and that it was the whaling ship that had inflicted the damage. The Institute for Cetacean Research. How do you say that? Cetacean? Cetaceous. Cetacean? Uh, Cetacean, yeah. Like the that. Japanese government agency Whales. that owns and operates the whaling mm. ships has accused the Robert Hunter of ramming the Keiko Maru. Sea Shepherd believes that the public relations firm employed by the Japanese whalers is spinning the story to make it appear that the whalers are the victims. The Sea Shepherd fully documented uh, the whole thing happening, and so they um, have evidence that it was the Japanese whalers that rammed them, and they also uh, admit that they don't mind ramming a whaling ship involved in illegal whaling. And they always accept responsibility when they do. All right. That's but there's it, one more it. story, one more story. Oh, this is breaking news. God. This happened this morning. I thought, <gasps> I thought we were, we were breaking close, news. close to the end. Related, but uh, a Japanese whaling vessel caught fire uh, yesterday, I believe, um, called the Nishin Maru. And that was the ship that the Sea Shepherd was going to go after next. And how did it catch um, fire? I don't know. It was. It's. It's not known yet. the The Sea Shepherd wasn't anywhere near him, so it wasn't uh, sabotaged, as far as we know. Except that fireball they <laughs> lodged from Except miles for that away. Cruise missile they had. <laughs> no. Um. So most of the 160 crew members were evacuated to three smaller boats, but one person's missing. Ah. And uh, spokesman for the Japanese whale murderers says the fire has been contained. The focus is on finding the missing crew member. Um, help will take a few days to get to the Japanese ship. The closest ship is a Greenpeace Esperanza, two and a half days away, but the Japanese don't want any help from Greenpeace. Um, 
<laughs> I can't imagine why. And then they surely don't want any help from the I- sea shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> They'll come ram them. Anyway, so uh, oh, apparently it's the refrigeration area that's been burnt out, which is where the whale meat is stored. Stored. So there's some uh, hope that the Nishan Maru will have to go home without killing any whales, which would be great. All right. And that's it for the news. Oh, it was it was a tough one this time. <laughs> it was. I thought it was good. Those were exciting stories. <laughs> but more exciting still is the police are back. The, the vegan police. <laughs> well, there's the vegan police, but I met the band. Oh, the police are back. Are there any That's vegetarians right. in that oh, yeah. band? They're doing a tour, apparently thirty year tour this year. Yeah, Sting is. A I think vegetarian. Sting Sting is a vegetarian, and he good history on your vegetarians. He does yoga, and he's yoga. he's into tantra. Oh, yeah. He probably yeah. does neti pots too. He <laughs> probably does tantric neti pots. What? There's no such thing. There isn't. He Let's ask do, Will. Uh, he's the expert. Bikram, though, he does uh, Jiva Mukti. Sting. Jiva Mukti. Oh. So, do you do mm. other yogas besides Bikram, Will? Bikram? I do. I do. I started out uh, with Shivananda about 18 years ago, and now I do Bikram and Yin. 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 Do you teach Yin, or you just? Uh, well, you know, I can't really teach it officially right now because I sold my school uh, this uh, summer, and I have a non-compete. But I would like to at some point, and I encourage people to do it, and I send them where they can learn it. So uh, Paul Greeley is the sort of big yin guy these days, and he has a really nice double DVD set out. You can learn it and do it at home. It's really really a very quiet, nice practice. So is there yang yoga too? Well, Bikram would be yang. That's what Sting does. Yang. Yeah, Jiva Mukti, uh, power, any kind of muscular, vigorous yoga is yang. Okay. And then a yin yoga is a quieter yoga, the difference more being in how you use the muscles. Right. In a, in a yang yoga, you're uh, stretching the muscles and working the muscles. In a, in a yin yoga, you're relaxing the muscles. And huh. there's a big difference between the two. So how long have you been doing yoga? Oh, for about 18 years, like officially doing it. Wow. You know, sort of different styles and uh, Kripalu yoga and, uh, like I said, Shivananda, Bikram, the yin yoga, a little bit of a yangar, though I don't really like headstands that much. You don't? Me neither. Oh, that's I what don't. I've been wanting to learn. Yeah, Osho says stay them. away from headstands. I do handstands. Osho, the person? Or Osho, this? Rajneesh. Oh, you know, it's not like guru. Osho, the occupational no. hazard. <laughs> the guru with all the... Uh, <laughs> Just go do them on ladders. Rolls Royces. <laughs> <laughs> Remember him? Yeah. In the 70s. They yeah. Kicked him out of the country. Mm-mm. Oh, so he's I got do, Rolls indeed. Royces. What is, doesn't Bikram have a fleet of Mercedes or something? You no, know, Bikram has oh, Rolls okay. Royces too, but that's... What's it, it with ah! the yoga guys and Rolls Royces? Do you have any Rolls Royces? Not yet, no. Yeah. I, I haven't sold enough neti pots yet. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. It's no. the most equanimous of all the uh, car makers, apparently. Yeah. A lot of room to stretch in there. <laughs> That's true. Bikram has like one Rolls Royce that actually works. Oh, really? It's a hobby of his. He buys them used and he fixes them himself. And people think he has this fleet of Rolls Royces and he really has one that works and he pulls parts from all the others and it's oh, really? total yeah. hype. Yeah, he's really oh. a sweet guy. Where do you say so you know him personally? Well, I trained with him. In order to teach Bikram yoga, you have you to have train to with train Bikram. With yep. In Los Angeles. Wow. That's pretty intense training. I have a question for you. Does he walk around in a very small bathing suit with a watch on? Very small bathing suit, yes. And where does he wear this watch? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We were at Derek and I were at Kripalu, and we saw this guy teaching this Bikram class, and he was. He it was ver- hot yoga, we know. Yeah. It was Bikram. It was Bikram. It was Bikram, and he and he had a very 
small. We think it might have been Vikram. It we, was like 2000 or something. Yeah, we thought it was him. He was very. Well, we didn't yeah. know. We didn't know about intense. him at the time, but like later, we we're like, "Wow, who is this really strict?" Yeah, he almost wouldn't let us in. Kind of we had to like beg yelling him to let us insults in. to people. That's him. <laughs> insults, little bathing suit. Got the watch on his wrist. That that was him. We actually so we saw actually Bikram. We actually had a class from Bikram. Yeah, we did. Wow. We snuck in there. Mm. Yeah, he let us in. And it changed my life. <laughs> I've been wearing a Speedo underwear ever since. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> All right. Well, we should get to the neti pot. All right. Yes. So, neti pot. So where did the neti pot come in for you? And uh, I imagine you learned about it through your yoga practice. Or? And just, I mean, there are people out here listening. They have no idea what a neti pot is. Just, I think just start off with just the background of actually Question what, one, it, what, is a what, neti pot? what it is. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, well, the neti pot originates really from the yoga tradition of India. It goes back like thousands of years, just like yoga, and uh, was initially developed in order to let the yogis, the yoginis, breathe deeper. Mm. It's just a little pot. It looks kind of, here's one right here. No, We've got an example. See it. Yeah, it looks like a little see that, pot. listeners? <laughs> see this? And it's got an elongated <laughs> spout on it with a kind of stylized nozzle. It's kind of phallic up there. I, it's a little phallic. I yeah, knew Derek you know? was going to say. I knew he wasn't going to let that one go. Well, that's another show. There's other uses for it, but <laughs> we're going to just talk about the, the nasal that, uh, uses. That's a it. circumcised <laughs> neti pot. <laughs> right. Uh, so it looks like a little teapot. You want it to hold about a cup of water, and the spout's really the important thing because you want it to make a comfortable seal. And the, the, the basic use of the neti pot is really just to clean out the sinus and the nasal passages. So it's something to use if you're certainly having cold flu symptoms, things like asthma, sinus headaches, and uh, congestion, but also on a, on a regular basis for the practice of yoga in order to kind of take your hatha yoga into pranayama and really start to develop deep breathing. So it's just a basic tool. It's, you know, a ritual that one does typically in the morning to clean out the nasal sinus passages. And it's just, it's just extremely effective uh, for doing that because it's simple, it's painless, it's inexpensive, and it really has been proven over time that it works. So even if you feel like you're breathing fine, does, does this have some benefit for you? Well, you know, that's a relative thing. You know, it's just like when you talk about your health, your level of health, there's usually something you can do to tweak it to become a little healthier and make a change. Uh, Go vegan. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, in addition, I, you know, I was saying earlier how it's really wonderful uh, for uh, making a transition into a vegetarian diet because typically when people are transitioning, there's lots of detoxing happening and a lot of congestion gets caught up in the into the head and the nasal passages. And if you have a way to clean that out, it typically makes the transition a little smoother. Yeah, I would think for people that uh, replace meat with dairy or eat a lot of dairy, I think it would probably be very helpful. Very helpful, yeah. Not that I condone that. But, but to answer your question, uh, typically most people have one or the other side of their nostrils closed off during the day. And the test that I usually give people is to close your mouth and take a couple of breaths in through the nose. So everybody can try that. Just close your mouth. Yeah, and if one or the other side's a little congested, then you're a candidate to use the neti pot. My nose yeah, has been pretty it, good yeah. lately. Your nose is yeah, good. Yeah, I'm just getting over a yeah. cold, so. So you do have one nostril closed. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely uh, yeah congestion going on. Yeah, well, the the, mu- the mucus just gets on. A, if if you're not cleaning it out, it gets caught up in there, and it just sort of accumulates, and then it can you know hold allergens and pollens and debris and bacteria. And all sorts of things. Not to mention, it also clogs up the little passageways that go back into the sinus cavities. 
So in wow. the front of the head are the, the nasal passages, and there's little, very tiny holes that go back up into the sinus cavities. And when they start to get clogged, then they're uh, more likely to get infected. Hmm. And you really, there's many reasons why you want those open to bring, you know, the breath and the prana up into the, the, nasal, the sinus cavities as well. So what, what would you usually uh, put in one of these, some kind of distilled water, or would you just use tap water? Yeah, tap water is fine. Uh, plain tap water, unless you have really, really bad water, then you want to switch over to a bottled water. Uh, but the, the main thing to know about the water is the temperature. And it's where a lot of people initially go wrong in trying to use the neti pot, is they have the water a little too cool or a little too warm, and then it, uh, it kind of uh, irritates the nasal membranes because they're very sensitive. And I, we, I saw your DVD last night, which you have, which your show is the there method. Is a little Valentine's Day? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Something to snuggle up with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Will showed the method of using the neti pot, shows the method um, in the DVD. Don't give away the climax, baby. And <laughs> I don't think it's a climax. <laughs> and the trick is, is that you said is to put the salt in, because you do use salt with it, and you put the salt in with the hot water and fill that up right. halfway, and then put the cool water in after the salt has right. dissolved. You're giving away the climax. You really did watch <laughs> it. I don't think that's... You, we really watched yeah. it. It's one of the most <laughs> important parts of it, and it's something that I developed. As a lot of people, if you if you buy neti pot, you can get them anywhere at Whole Foods and Cornucopia all over the place. They're, they're becoming more and more popular. Even CVS has them. And really? if we buy the DVD yeah. that wow. comes with it? Is no, it? I wish. No, or, I, I mean, uh, with the DVD, there's a coupon for a free one? So. Yeah, with my DVD, everybody gets a free neti pot. You guys oh. get these today if you want. Oh, we do? Yes. Oh, my God. Scott just three, gasped. Though. He's so excited. <laughs> I haven't gotten any really good presents lately. So <laughs> there you go. Thanks. Oh. All right. But the thing with the salt, uh, two things with the salt. The most important thing, you can use common table salt, but to make sure it's non-iodized. Hmm. Right. The iodine is going to really also irritate. But a lot of times you get those little instructions in the box with your neti pot, and it just says add the salt. And you've already got the water kind of lukewarm, and it doesn't really dissolve. And if the water's not really thoroughly dissolved, it's going to burn. Especially that, if you get one of those big clumps of salt in your Yeah. Nose. Oh, yeah. yeah That'd it's be like, bad. No. You're using <laughs> fine, <laughs> fine salt. Well, you never know. If you had, like, Celtic salt or something, it would... I think Will specifically says not to use chunky salt. He said salt. iodized. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and if you have that salt with the rice in it, that's bad, too. <laughs> you're right. Pick the rice out, definitely. Uh, that's an advanced usage. <laughs> yeah, that's for the the high end yogis. Mm. Although I do have a story about that. I don't know how. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love how, stories. Oh, tell us. We got to have the comedy part. How of strong <laughs> the audience is, but I do this with. Uh, I have a teenage daughter, and there's always a lot of teenagers around my house, and they just think this is the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> and so I do emphasize when you're using the neti pot to always clean it out first to you know, make sure you just rinse oh, it God. out, kind of thing, and. Uh, I didn't take my own advice one day, and I've been using the neti pot for years, and I have the routine down. I can do it with my eyes closed. So I'm uh, doing my first morning neti pot, and you typically do it facing the mirror, and I'm looking in the mirror, and there's a beautiful stream of thin mucus coming out of my nose, and lo and behold, there's a <laughs> tiny little spider that came out. Ah! Wow! So the teenagers love that story. Ah! I, hope, I hope the spider didn't die. That wouldn't... That'd be no, I revived this. I still have it. It's a little pet now. <laughs> you give him a CPR <laughs> with cool. a little straw. <laughs> it's very advanced technique. You've got to take one, the little eight arms and kind of <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> move them just right. right. <laughs> uh, well, you could have flashed with the web, too. Hmm. But, but let's get back phone. to the salt. 
Yeah. So you want the salt to dissolve. <laughs> so what we do is we fill the pot halfway with really hot water, as hot as you can get at your tap water, uh, non-iodized salt, and then really mix it thoroughly. Then it's really dissolved in the hot water. Then you fill the rest of the pot with the cool water, you test it with a finger, and then you're ready to go. So All the right. salt thing is really important. The water temperature is really important. And then it's just a matter of playing with it. Uh, you know, a few techniques that I do show in the DVD on how to work the angle of the head, how to breathe through the mouth, and... Um, you know, within a week, it's like you've you know been doing it your whole life, and it just works amazingly well. Now, I was looking for the um, the feature on the DVD where it's the making of the Nutty Pot DVD. I didn't find that. <laughs> is that hidden somewhere? <laughs> the outtakes, maybe. The, is that going to be on the the deluxe version? Yeah, that's volume two. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was very interesting the way I made this because I was pretty much uh, you know running my yoga school and teaching yoga and very involved, and I would just get you know, people all the time asking me, and I would wind up in their bathroom, and we would do a one-on-one demonstration. Uh, so I just decided to put this together, and I really had no filmmaking experience, as you might be able to tell from it. <laughs> but I just got together with a few friends and got a camera and got an editing program, and we just little by little put it together. And so it was really fun. It was really fun to do that. And I really uh, advise anyone, if you have a project and you want to put it on a dvd it's super easy to do it that's right take it into your own hands yeah, power to the people that's right well, i'm gonna do my uh, colon hydrotherapy oh, DVD. Stop. <laughs> no i i, I thought i like i kind of like the uh the home homemade quality of it because it really gives it a little you know it's fun watching the the water come out of your nose and stuff <laughs> right although i do do a version without that did you see oh, really? that? That was oh, yeah, that the, was first the beginning and then yeah the in second. case you don't want to see it right. and you, so right, is there so. a way you can, is there is there like chapters you can yeah I have a menu up front <laughs> yeah okay. yeah Which I think we just played the whole thing through so we mm-hmm. yeah wow yeah. great you get the DVD and you can get the nutty pot along with it it's a bargain <laughs> yeah well I just decided that I wanted everyone to have the nutty pot it's it's really like a mission for me kind of with yoga it's like my next step with yoga mm-hmm. to have people breathing deeper and and one of the reasons I initiated this is because most people come back and really thank me they wow. start breathing through both of their nasal passages and they bring more energy into their life they're not getting sick as often and it's just so simple and you just set it there on your sink along with your toothbrush and your floss and they're like wow thank you so much for that so this is just to really encourage people to do it and, you know, just bring greater upper respiratory health into anybody's life. Excellent. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you can find Will at the Bikram Yoda Yoga Studio, and uh, his DVD is available at nittypotdvd.com. And uh, we have to get to the Grease Car interview next, but first we're going to play some um, of our featured artist who is the fallout. They contacted me through MySpace, <laughs> and uh, which seems to be the way most of our artists. So any artist that wants to uh, get your music on Vegan Radio, you should join up with Veganica.com. It's free, and upload some songs, and we'll play them on our show for you. And uh, we're looking for musicians. We might do start doing an all-music show on alternate Thursdays, all-vegan music all the time. Right, Megan? That's right, D-Dog. And uh, thanks a lot, Will. It was really interesting uh, talking to you and you're welcome to stay here while we interview the grease car people too great thanks and we're going to play some uh fallout this is a song called compassion over killing compassion over killing let's be the ones willing to show compassion compassion 
compassion over killing. That was the fallout. And we have Josiah. Are you there? Yeah. Hi. Hey, Josiah from Grease Car. Welcome. Hey. Great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, we are fascinated with Grease Cars here because... Because uh, we're going to have a vegan Grease Car. Yeah, we have a, we bus, have a, a new plan. Vegan bus. A new plan that I'm unveiling today for yeah. our listeners, oh. which is to uh, get a school bus and convert it to run on vegetable oil. Great. And drive it to Burning Man. Great. And it's going to be called the Vegan Bus. Great. <laughs> um, Good. Do you guys do school buses? Yeah, we've done a few. Cool. Uh, we've done, well, we've done smaller school buses, um, but we haven't, I think we've only done one kind of a prototype, um, but the larger school buses are a little bit more complex. Yeah. Um, but that's something that we're, we're working on this year, and, and um, hopefully we'll be getting into in the future. Are there some local mini buses driving around that you guys did? Um, there were. I think but most they, people own those mini buses are kind of more transient. Yeah. <laughs> so I, and I, I think they were here. We had one guy living out in the parking lot for a while last summer. <laughs> I don't see him anymore, so. <laughs> he probably went somewhere warm. Yeah. So, uh, we should skip back to the beginning and, uh, let's, do you want to describe, uh, what a, what a grease car is for our listeners that might not know and, um, how you, sure. how your company got started? Sure. Um, well, uh, grease car system that we um, make and sell is is a system to um, modify your vehicle to run on both diesel and vegetable oil, a diesel vehicle. And when I say vegetable oil, I'm talking about straight vegetable oil that um, either comes out of, you know, something you get at the supermarket or uh, waste vegetable oil that a local restaurant would be throwing away. And um, so what you do is you install our kit, and you put the oil in a separate tank, a vegetable oil tank, and then you got some controls on your dash, and you can switch back and forth. And uh, what our system basically is doing is um, heating up the vegetable oil to allow it to be less viscous and uh, and thus combust in the engine the same way diesel would. It's nice. So you can drive on either diesel or vegetable when you after you've converted. Yeah. I think <laughs> I've heard in the winter in, in, you do that because in the winter time vegetable oil is very cold and it, it doesn't work as it takes as a while well. to warm up. Right. Well, basically the whole um, idea with Vegetable oil. And an interesting thing to know is that the first diesel engine um, created by Rudolf Diesel over 100 years ago was originally premiered the World Fair running on peanut oil. And uh, his idea was to create an engine that could run off vegetable oils. And, uh, you know, all of the things that kind of come along with that. And, um, and so the basic design is there. Uh, the problem is, is that um, the, only, the only really change that needs to be made is the the oil in general is just too thick, it's too viscous, so it doesn't um, inject into your engine properly. So that's why you need to heat it in the summer and in the winter. Um, that's what our system does. Um, but biodiesel, which is very popular right now, 
um, basically what, it, what that's doing is it's taking vegetable oil, and instead of heating it to make it less viscous, it's changing it chemically by, you know, adding chemicals and, and actually changing the molecules chemically. So vegetable oil is more environmentally friendly than biodiesel? Um, from, from our standpoint, um, the emissions are cleaner, and um, so right there it's going to be more environmentally friendly, less processing, um, or there's, you know, there's, no, there's no processing really, you're just really cleaning the oil. So um, all of the environmental effects that are caused by that aren't there. Um, I've so also heard that um, biodiesel, some of it's made from animal grease too or animal waste. Uh, it's possible. Um, and, you know, in, in theory, um, we've, had, we've had people ask us about animal fat and we're just like, stay away from that. I mean, you know, people are willing to try all this, all this stuff, but um, vegetable oil is the way to go. And, um, and, and, you know, in theory, maybe you could do it with animal fat but there's no reason why I'd want to. Anyways, just um, from an economic point of view, it would be much more expensive. So, Did you guys just, you know, politically, you started this business to get to to get a solution to people using fossil fuels? Uh, well, I, I, I didn't start the business. Um, Justin Carvin started the business in 2000. And, um, and you know, now it's, whole company and, and, and everyone's got their own, you know, personal political feelings and everything else. But one of the greater implications of using our product is that it is a domestically produced product. And um, so you don't have this demand for uh, imported fuel. And I don't think anyone, regardless of what their political beliefs are, would argue that that's causing a lot of problems right now. Yeah. True, true. War and global warming. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, most, you know, people here, people who are attracted to this company generally kind of have that stuff in the back of their mind anyways, but, um, you know, it's just, it's kind of one of those things that's just so deeply embedded in what we're doing that actually never even really comes up that much. Right. On a, on a day-to-day basis. So, Josiah, if we were, say we were going to take it, we, we got our vegan bus going and we were going to take a trip. Mm-hmm. So what's the protocol there? Like, are there certain places where we would, would we just have to be stocked on biodiesel and then get vegetable, ve- vegetable oil. oil along the way? Well, you're going to, but we would need some biodiesel. We'd need to be stocked on vegetable oil and. Right, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess what. Um, you could get diesel. Oh, because you, you, okay. Yeah, so you have the diesel and, 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 you know, we, I did a road trip, uh, about two years ago, and um, it's kind of two different experiences you can have with a, with a grease car. Um, there's the road <laughs> trip experience, which better good, <laughs> better kind of like the fun going out and you know adventurous trips, and then there's like the um, everyday person who just uses grease as a fuel, and there and they can be two very different experiences as far as collecting the oil. Um, on the one hand, you have, um, you know, your mom or pop kind of uh, character that 
that goes down to a little local uh, burger joint or something once a week, and uh, they go inside and there's the oil. It's already filtered for them possibly or, or cleaned up for them, and it's already in a nice container, and they say, how's it going, and then grab it and take it home, and that's it, and it's, and it's pretty clean, and it's easy, and there's just, they just go to that one restaurant. They never go to any other restaurant, and, um, and that's it. That's, you know, most of our users, most of the people who have a grease car kit. Then there's the people who are feeling more adventurous, and they say, you know, get a grease car kit and go across the country, and I'm just going to get oil as I go, and I've done that myself, and, and it's very different because now you're just going to, you know, a different restaurant every few days, and uh, and it's interesting. It's just pretty fun. I mean, you, you, you go, to, depending on where you're going, a lot of people still haven't heard about it. You know, they look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> that's, so, what, that's what we're hoping for. Especially yeah. when they see our bus, they're going to really <laughs> think we're crazy. <laughs> There's this guy with this car, and he wants to do, you wouldn't believe what, and... You know, come over here and and check this the, out. And then also the other factor with that is um, the quality of the oil can really range a lot. And you have to filter it. And you have to filter it. I mean, digging through a um, a uh, waste oil bin at a at a at a back of like a low grade food <laughs> restaurant or whatever pretty gross yeah it doesn't sound fun yeah i gotta tell you this vegan bus idea sounded less and less fun (laughs) so i mean it depends on where you go too but i mean that was um kind of my experience you you know you got a a pump and and uh and so you know it's 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 an experience and it's something that um i encourage people who want to do it to do because it's also something that might not be around forever you might not be able to do this and years or something so once the demand reaches a certain point i guess people will be uh you know fighting over restaurants and stuff yeah you're gonna have to need to produce like a a special conversion kit for restaurants so they can have like you know a nozzle coming out of their fry later right <laughs> <laughs> right and we, it's, it's 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 interesting because we have had um um restaurants kind of set up situations like that where they just kind of have a thing that um uh, cleans it and then just kind of pumps it into a bucket. So, um, so you know, and a lot of restaurants are into it. Even even if you're approaching for the first time, um, they're like, "Yeah, we can get rid of our oil." Yeah, yeah they usually like, have to get pay rid of to get nasty rid of it, right? junk. Yeah, we have to have someone come and pick up and pay them for, and we can get rid of it for free now. And this guy's running his car on it, which sounds insane, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> kind of cool. Josiah, why did you say that we might not be able to do this in 10 years? Um, who knows? I mean, it, it's it's something that's changing. And, and um, you know, locally, yeah, there's people that are, you know, some, a lot of restaurants in Northampton. Um, we found, you know, you go to try to get, collect grease from them, and they say, well, we've got a, you know, our local guy comes once a week, so we're saving it for him. Oh, so um, there's still plenty of restaurants in here uh, in this in this area that still are available, and as, that's another interesting um, thing because this area, particularly uh, the Pioneer Valley, um, has the highest population of grease cars and you know anywhere in the world, 
and uh, I think we've kind of estimated that there's probably um, 70 to 100 on the road right now, and um, and yet there's still restaurants available. So if you think about 70 to 100 in every town in the country, um, that's a lot of grease cars. So that's a long ways off. But, yeah, um, I think we have the highest uh, restaurants per capita in the world. <laughs> I know. Well, too, That's maybe. probably <laughs> why. <laughs> That's not what I'm taking into consideration. And most of them are uh, sushi restaurants. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they have deep fryers. I guess they do. Yeah, they do the sure. tempura. Everybody's got a deep fryer. Except yeah. for evolution. Yeah. It's because we're healthy. <clears throat> so, all right. Well, um, let's see. Do you have any... Anything else question. you'd like to add? Oh, Will, oh, yeah, just Will has a question. Yeah. I'm just curious about the kit. Is the kit something that someone like myself with very little mechanical experience could install, or is it really uh, something a mechanic that has uh, experience with this uh, installation needs to do? Uh, well, we've set it up, and we, we um, have designed it to be a do-it-yourself kit, hmm. and, um, and we have manuals that we have spent a lot of time Trying to make as user friendly as we can, and, I, and you know we've had high school students do it, we've had middle school students do it. Wow! Um, and and the daycare center students. Are the, <laughs> and the daycare centers <laughs> haven't gotten back to us. So yeah, after nap time. <laughs> I think that Calsa daycare center they could do it. <laughs> oh, they sure could. So, but the thing, I mean, people still get confused um, if they're someone who you know has never. Uh, the general rule of thumb I, I say is if you change your oil yourself and you know how to use a wrench and, um, you know, basic set of tools, you can figure it out and you might want to look at it as a way to kind of get to know your car a little bit better. Maybe have somebody there that is kind of familiar with cars. Yeah, or, you know, we, we also have, um, you know, tech, unlimited tech support with the purchase of a kit, so, you know, any questions, we get calls, people occasionally saying, you know, let's just go here, here, and, you know, simple little stuff. Well, you guys also uh, offer the service of doing it, too, right? Uh, we have installers that that we certify as people that are capable of doing it. Um, There's a job for you, Scotty. Hey, <laughs> I've been looking for something like this. Yeah. It's hands-on. So we don't actually do them ourselves, but we've got a list of people throughout the country you can call them and, um, and talk to mechanics that, that have certified and doing grease car installs. Nice. So hopefully, you know, if so, that, that's to keep people who are a little intimidated from working on their vehicle, allow them to still be part of it. That's great. Um, uh, we might be having to talk to you some more further down the road when we get our bus. Sure. Um, but we're running out of time here, so okay. thanks a lot for uh, coming on. It's been very uh, enlightening. and Yeah, sure. Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Josiah. We're really, right. really excited about your company. Great. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Cool. Where can I find out more, Derek? Oh, yeah. Uh, greasecar.com. Believe it or not. Wow. <laughs> and, it's as simple uh, as that. And anyone who's interested in the Vegan Bus Project, we have a website for that. It's just a, just a splash page right now, but there's some contact info at uh, theveganbus.com. And, of course, there's veganradio.com where you can get links to everything we talked about today. And uh, what else? 
And uh, peace out, people. Veganica.com <laughs> if you're a musician and you want us to play your music. Don't forget to use your neti pot. Here's a, here's a little fallout to fall out with. Uh, peace, love, and anarchy. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is Derek. This is Megan. This is Scotty. And our guest in the studio. And this is Will. Will, netipotdvd.com. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you in two weeks for another episode of Vegan Radio. Changing attitude, confusion being rude. I've got an esteem, a piece of an anarchy.